And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We're in uh, week four of our Mood Swingers series. And uh, this series, if you're new uh, today or kind of just jumping in, uh, in the middle of this series, uh, we're really taking a look at some of the emotions, some of the feelings that, that we all experience, right? And, and we're looking at what the Word of God has to say about how we can navigate these emotions in our lives so they don't wreak havoc on all of our relationships and, uh, and everything that we do. And, and I was thinking kind of about uh, today and, and, you know, thinking about, I don't know if you know this, but on the other side of the building today, uh, Candy Palooza is taking place in our kids' ministry. And uh, I know all of those kids are super excited. They came kind of dressed up. There's a costume contest today, and they're learning about Jesus, and they're getting tons of candy and uh, winning some prizes. And um, I, I'm really not sure about you, but, but I love kind of this time of season and those kind of events. And the reason why is because I consider myself to be a professional candy thief. Any other professional candy thieves in the house? Like, like the, the only reason why I like this time is because my kids get all this candy and when they were younger, uh, they would come home and they'd have all their candy and they would go to bed. And when they went to bed, it was time to sneak in their room and figure out what candy's in their bag that I want and begin to pull that out. And it uh, worked really well for me for a long time until about five years ago. About five years ago, our youngest daughter, Journey, came walking into the room uh, the day after um, Halloween, and I had forgotten to throw away all the candy wrappers that were on my nightstand from the night before. And she saw that, and she realized that there is a reason why her candy bag keeps getting smaller and smaller year after year. And um, I think it was kind of funny what ended up happening as a result of that. Um, so the next year, uh, we did uh, big uh, fall fest events, which we've done those every year here. And we're going to do something like that uh, next year as we kind of get to the other side of COVID. But, um, but we had this big uh, fall fest event that was happening. And, and I walked into her room that day. She was at school and um, just started kind of walking in, see how, if I could even make it in the room. I mean, good Lord, teenagers' rooms and all the clothes all over them. But I walk in and I see the whiteboard that's kind of leaning against the wall. And, and what was on that whiteboard is really priceless. And so I took a picture of it. This is, um, this is four years ago. And I want to share, um, share it with you. So this is Journey's whiteboard. And so you'll see at the top, Fall Fest on October. And so she was trying to determine, okay, am I going to be dizzy or am I going to be Mad Hatter? Is that going to be my costume? And then she said that she's going to be working in the goldfish area. That was part of our Fall Fest event. But then notice after that, it says, after Fall Fest, number one, hide candy from parents. <laughs> now look at number two. <laughs> look at number two. Hide it under the bed. Like, maybe, I mean, super smart to think about hide from parents, but then maybe you shouldn't write on the board in your room where you're going to hide it. I don't know. I don't know. Just me. Um, but, oh man. Oh man. I loved it. Well, this morning, I think that uh, God has something really sweet for all of us. Um, 
ha ha ha. Um, in God's word, as we uh, begin to look a little bit about um, how to overcome uh, inadequacy and, and, and the voices of inadequacy in our life. And so if you got your Bible, turn with me to Judges chapter 6, that's in the Old Testament, uh, if you don't know, towards the beginning. And uh, we're going to say our prayer together and just ask God's blessing over our time uh, today. If you would say this with me, Father, as I open your word, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 1997, um, my journey, I didn't grow up in, in church, and in 1997, I had a, a really just kind of, I don't even know how to explain it in words, but I mean, it was an encounter with God that would change my life. And I remember about a month after that, that, that happened in January and in February, I went to a, a big event that had a bunch of young adults and kind of conference event. And uh, I remember standing in the back of the room uh, during the worship set of this event. And I remember being able to see all of, all of the back of the heads of all of these kind of students and young adults and the lights were down. And so it was just kind of more of a, of a silhouette and and I remember in that moment as I was engaging in worship that the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart that he was calling me into ministry, that he could use my life to help other people not have to experience the same things that I had experienced in my life. Little did I know that in that moment when I chose to say yes and to follow after God's call on my life, little did I know that I was in for a lifetime of inadequate feelings. A lifetime of feeling like I was not going to be good enough. A lifetime of feeling like I didn't have all the right bullet points on my resume of life. Being somebody that didn't grow up in church, being somebody, I mean, it wasn't like I was a fourth generational, you know, pastor or preacher or anything like that. You know, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about God's word. It wasn't until I had gotten married to Andrea a couple years later uh, that I started actually reading kids illustrated Bibles um, as a way to be able to understand the stories of the Bible because for me, I was somebody that struggled with a learning disability all of my life. Um, I'm naturally an, an introvert, didn't know anything about um, communicating, being a public speaker. Like I looked at the, some of the voices that I would hear as, well, Ryan, you're not, you're not holy enough to be able to, to be a pastor, whatever that means, right? Holy enough. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have the, the experience, you don't have the background, and for me in my life, the one thing that really was the kind of residual whisper in my mind as I began to take steps towards what God had for me was you'll never be a preacher like blank. And in that blank was every single pastor I had worked for, was every single pastor that I had listened to on a podcast or watched on YouTube that the voice of inadequacy that kept being whispered to me was, you'll never be that. And I think inadequacy, I think the feelings, the whisper that I heard is the same whisper that a lot of us hear in a lot of areas of our life. 
There's something that I've really kind of learned through the years about inadequacy is that it's an equal opportunity offender, <laughs> right? Like there, it doesn't pick one person and not another, but all of us struggle at times. All of us hear the voices of you're not, you're not smart enough, like you're not going to be good enough, like, like all of these, these whispers, you're not holy enough, you're not going to measure up. And, and what I, I learned, and it took me years of trial and error, but what I learned um, after a period of time of following God and just allowing Him to stretch me and mold me is this statement that's up on the screens, that sometimes our greatest enemy is our inner me. Like, sure, we can, we can say that Satan's attacking us and there's a lot of stuff on the peripheral that keep us from God's best, but, but sometimes our greatest enemy in our life is, is our inner me. It's, it's the voices that every time God calls us to, to take a step, every time he's challenging us to step into a territory that makes us uncomfortable, it's that inner me that always like throws out those jabs and darts of, of why we can't do it. And, and what I've learned is, is that the voices that we believe, that they're going to ultimately determine the life that we experience. That the voices that we choose to listen to and to hold on to, the negative thoughts or the positive thoughts, that they will, they will ultimately shape the life that you and I are going to experience. And we see this kind of truth play out even in the Bible with this uh, man named Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And, and I find this story really interesting in Judges chapter 6 because we see this situation beginning to take place where, where God uh, some 300 years earlier had delivered the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. You may remember the story, and, and as they are delivered, God ends up parting the Red Sea, and they get to the other side, and then as the enemy um, uh, chases them, God lets the, 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 the sea go, and, and, it, and it comes in, and it kills, and, and, and then you see like time after time how many times God has showed up, how many times God has, has stepped in and performed miracle after Miracle, But what we see in Judges is that now some 300 years later that the Israelites have begun to choose their own way. Like instead of going God's way and be obedient to where God is directing them, they're choosing to do things their own way. And what's happened is, is it's got them into this major mess in their life that's causing all kinds of, of pain and all kinds of suffering. And it makes me think a little bit about this journey that even our country and our world is on now. When you think about less than 300 years ago, our country is established on biblical principles and, 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 and praying in schools and, and prioritizing going to church and, and just being um, uh, who God has created us to be. Sure, there were struggles and sure there was sin in the world, but now we find ourselves in this huge mess because we have chosen our own way instead of God's way. And it sounds a little bit familiar, and, and in the story, we see the heart of God. It's really the redemptive heart of God, that, that no matter where we've gone and what we've done, that God has this, this heart of, of grace and mercy, that He wants us to experience His absolute best, and He's willing to extend that grace despite 
our shortcomings in our past. And, and so in Judges, we see that God is wanting to do that again to the Israelites, that he's wanting to extend his grace. And, and he chooses um, this man named Gideon. He calls Gideon, and, and, and the dilemma that the Israelites were in is that the Midianites were just really ravaging their, their livestock, ravaging their land, and, 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 and so he calls this man named Gideon. But here's the problem is Gideon is a lot like us. He's a lot like us because he wrestles with this call that God has on his life because for Gideon, he struggles to be able to see inside of him what God sees inside of him. And when we look in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it says that Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat. And I want you to, I want you to notice something with the way that this is, is worded, that he was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Now, now typically you would thresh wheat on a threshing floor back then, which basically was out in an open space. Um, and here Gideon is in a wine press. Now, normally you would think in a wine press, you would be pressing grapes, right? And here Gideon is hiding from the Midianites. He's down in a, in a wine press threshing wheat. And, and we see in this next verse that in verse 12, that the angel of the Lord appears to him and says this, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I find this a little interesting because the verse before we're recognizing that Gideon, I mean, he's not really the man of courage. He's hiding in a wine press, right? He's doing, um, threshing this wheat, not where it was typically supposed to be out in public where everybody could see, but down in this, this kind of deep wine press, and here's a man that, that, that is fearful. Here's a man that is scared. And this angel looks at him and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And it helps us to recognize an important principle about who God is and what he, how he looks at us, how he views us in our life. That, that in this moment, God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't even see in himself. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that God looks at us that way, that he doesn't see us as, as the person that we are now, but when he sees us, he sees us as the person that he is shaping and molding us into. And we watch with Gideon how he responds, and I think his response is quite interesting and very similar to our response sometimes. He says in verse 13, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, <laughs> okay, if God is with us, like God, if you are there, like if you're really there, God, then why has all of this happened to us? Have you ever been there? Like you ever been in a, in a season in your life where just the, the trauma and the difficulty and it's just like you keep feeling like you just keep knocking against the same wall over and over again with a situation. And, and Gideon's response is like, God, if you're really God and if you're really there, then, then why? Like, why is all of this stuff happening to us? Like, like why God, if you are God and if you love me, then, then why did we lose that baby? 
Like, if you're really God, why did I have to walk through that divorce? Like, if you're really God, like, why did I not make the ball team? Or why did I flunk that, that test that I've been studying so hard for? And, and he goes on and he says, and, and, and where are all the miracles, by the way, God? Like, where are all the miracles that our, our parents and our grandparents have been speaking of and what they've told us about? Like, this is 300 years removed from the Exodus with the people of, it, this is a guy who has not seen a whole lot of it with his own eyes, but he's heard stories. Like maybe you, like, like, like maybe you're kind of my generation or, or younger and, and you're trying to figure this God thing out and, and you've heard all these stories from your parents and from your grandparents about all of what God has done and how God has shown up, but you're struggling to be able to see it with your own eyes and, and you sense this kind of call, you sense that God has a greater purpose for your life, but, but you struggle to kind of, kind, of, kind, of, kind of see that and to believe that because of all the stuff that you're seeing and experiencing in your own life. And if that's you, that's Gideon. Like you're right where Gideon was in his own life. And he says, didn't they say, like, like didn't, didn't my grandparents, didn't, didn't they say that the Lord brought us out of, of Egypt, but now the Lord. But now like maybe you were God for them back then, but now I feel, God, that you have, you have totally abandoned us and handed us over. To this Midianites. I mean, can you hear the raw feelings that Gideon is expressing in this season? I mean, the rawness, like, like it's, it's the Israelites' fault that they're in the mess that they're in, right? Because they, instead of choosing what God wanted for them, they ended up choosing what they wanted for themselves. But yet now Gideon is blaming God for all of the pain and all of the hurt that they're going through. And I think, you know, sometimes we're really good at that too. Sometimes we're really good at, at not really wanting a lot to do with what, what we believe God is calling in our life and leading us to do, and we kind of choose to, to go and, and do our own things, and, and then when stuff starts happening and the pain ha and the mess of our life starts to fall into our lap, then we begin to blame God for the mess that, that we've created. And, and I want you to notice in this that I think is interesting is that that we don't see God like get his feelings hurt with Gideon's questions and doubts. Like we don't see God say, you know what, I, I did call you and yeah, maybe I said mighty hero, but you know, I wasn't, that just kind of slipped out of my mouth. Like that wasn't really what I meant. And so you don't see like God kind of reeling that, that back in on Gideon, like despite the hard questions and the doubt and and I think for me, I think what I like about that is it lets me know that, you know, I can have some raw moments in my life. I can have some seasons where my faith might be weak, some seasons where I struggle to believe that, that God is, is who he says he is and that he's really there working on my behalf, that God actually has big enough shoulders that he can take that. And I love how we see God kind of lean into this instead of pull away. And he says in verse 14, he says that the Lord turned to him and said, look at this, go with the strength that you have. 
and rescue Israel from the Midianites. He says, I am sending you. He says, go with the strength that you have. You know, I think there's some seasons in our life where the Lord will speak to us that, to wait. Like, I don't know if you've been there. Andrea and I have been there in times where we've wanted to respond. We've wanted to make a decision. We've wanted to do something, but we've just kind of We've just kind of felt this uneasiness in our spirit to do that. We've kind of sensed that God is saying, wait, like, like, wait, like, hold back. But then there's some seasons and there's some moments and times in our life that God is, is, is trying to push us out to get us to take a step of faith in an area that might be uncomfortable for us. And for many of us, we kind of pull back. We kind of, we kind of hold back a little bit. And, and, and I think of my journey and I think of all of, of, of what I faced in that season of insecurity that I, I mean, there was a long list of reasons. My list of, of disqualifying reasons for, for doing what I'm doing was way longer than my list of qualifying reasons, right? But even in my own life, there came a time to where it was go with the strength that you got. Like, go with where you got. Like, some of you, I bet, are here today, and you've been wondering, like, why nothing ever changes. And, and you, you can look back in this moment as we're talking about it, and you can remember that there have been some times that, that you felt the Holy Spirit is, is calling you to take a big and a bold step, and you were hesitant to do that. And maybe this is your season. Maybe God is telling you today that now's the time not to wait, but to go with the strength that you have. Watch how Gideon responds to this charge from God in verse 15. He says, oh my gosh, is this us or what? He says, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? Like, right? Like, how can, how, God, how could I be a volunteer in the kids' ministry? Like, how, how could I be an, an usher or a greeter? Like, how could I lead that small group? Like, God, how in the world could I, like, go talk to that coworker about Jesus? I mean, I mean, and we start looking at the rear view mirror of our lives, right? And we see all the bullet points of disqualifications of, of why we disqualify ourselves and feel inadequate to do what God has called us to do. And, and that's Gideon, like... And that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible's not full of people that were perfect and got it right all the time. The Bible's, Bible's full of people that are just like us. And some of them took steps of faith and some of them didn't. And I love that. I mean, we see the rawness of that whole moment with Gideon here. Like, how can I rescue Israel? And then here comes the bullet points. My clan is the weakest in all of the tribe. And, and I am the least in my own family. Like, I don't know what your bullet points are. I don't know what the voice keeps giving you, the feelings of inadequacy and that, that inner me, right? The voice that keeps putting bullet points underneath what God's call and plan and purpose is for your life. But sometimes, I think we recognize that our greatest enemy, that it is our inner me. And we see here with Gideon that 
His enemy is trying to convince him that he's not the leader that God thinks that he is, that he's not, definitely not the mighty hero, the mighty warrior that, that God thinks that, that he is. And, and I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God doesn't see us for who we are, that he sees us for who we will become as we yield our lives to him. And, and so we see here, um, God says to Gideon in verse 16, look at this, he says, I will be with you. Like, go with the strength you got and know this, that I will be with you. He says, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. This is such a like amazing story as if you were to keep reading along that you would see that, that, that Gideon over time, like he needed some proof, like he still, there was still a little bit, of, it wasn't like it was just this moment where all of a sudden he believed there was still kind of a season of him trying to gather confirmation, right? And it's good, like the Bible talks about, it's good to, when you sense God is calling you to something, it's good to, to get some people that you trust in your circle that can help, help give clarity to, yes, that sounds like um, the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading you in. And so Gideon kind of went through this process, but ultimately he chose to believe God's voice instead of his enemy. And as a result, God ends up using Gideon and only 300 men to completely destroy the Midianite army. And the thing was, is they never even had to raise a sword because the way that God used them was in such an abnormal kind of way that the enemy ended up turning themselves on one another and they never even had to raise a weapon. You know, it makes me think today, like what, what might be in your life, like what might be some of the things that you're facing in your own journey with God right now that he's wanting to destroy in your life? but you keep listening to the wrong voices. You keep listening to those voices of inadequacy rather than going with what you got and knowing that he is with you along the way. And friend, just like Gideon, that we, we all, we all experience times and seasons and sometimes they're situational where we feel inadequate and ill-equipped to do what God has called us to do, but, but we don't have to allow that to keep us from God's will and God's best in our life. And so today, I wanna, I wanna share with you real quick three truths that I think we need to recognize and understand in our life in order to be able to overcome our inner me. The first one is this, is that God's view of you is different than you think. Somebody needs to know today that his view of you is different than you think. And I've discovered this in my own journey firsthand with inadequacy, that this is true, that God sees more in you than you see in yourself. He sees more in you than what you see in yourself. When you look in verse 12, the angel of the Lord appears to this, 
to Gideon who's scared and, and is fearful and, and calls him not, not what he was in the moment, but who he would be, a mighty hero. And I'm so thankful in my own journey with God that, that he's more focused on our potential than he is our past, right? So we need to know today that God's view of us is different than we think. The second thing that you need to know, the second truth, is that God has given you more than you think. He has. There is more inside of you than you think. When you look at verse 14, and we see what what God says to, to Gideon, he doesn't tell Gideon, hey, you got to get your whole life together. He doesn't say you got to get, uh, you know, everything all polished. Like, like you need to go take um, about 12 months of jujitsu classes and then you'll be ready for, for battle. Like, he doesn't say any of that. What he does say is he says, go with the strength that you have. With the strength that you have. In other words, there is more in you than you think. Friend, your enemy keeps whispering, telling you that you don't measure up and that you don't have what it takes. But I believe that God wants some of you to know today that there is more in you than you think. In 2 Peter 1, 3, it says that by His divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. Friend, in my journey, there's no way in my journey with God, there's no way in 1997 when I felt the Lord tug my heart and say that He wanted to use me in such a way that other people don't have to experience the same thing that I experienced as a kid and growing up. There's no way in the world that I saw myself in this moment today. I had no idea. I, I, I mean, I was a guy that would rather write a 20-page paper than to give a two-minute oral presentation in front of 20 people in a college class. I didn't have all the bullet points that were necessary to do what God was placing on my heart. I couldn't see it, but God could see it. You know, I think of what God has placed inside of us a lot like a a seed. Like there is a seed of potential that God has deposited inside of each one of you that fulfills 2 Peter 1.3. But like with any seed, it won't grow if it's exposed. It's got to be planted in the right healthy soil, which means you've got to find the right, the right church, the place that God is calling you to be, and you've got to plant yourself in there. And it takes, it takes water, it takes sun, it takes time, it takes nurturing for that to move from a seed to a plant. But do you know what's necessary in order for that seed to end up becoming a plant? Is it's got to go through a breaking. It's got to be broken. 
Like when a seed goes into the ground and it's covered, the outer shell has to break away so that the inside is, is the one that brings life, that brings potential. And sometimes we get kind of heavy laden and we get just kind of beat down because of the brokenness that we have to walk through in our lives. But listen, that's all part of God's plan in our lives that there has to be a season of breaking for us to recognize that, listen, we are not, like, like we don't have it all. Like, like, I can't do what I do within my own ability and my own power, that it is God in me, that the calling of God on my life is to go with the strength I've got. It's him that follows that up with, I will be with you. And then the third truth that you and I've got to, we've got to understand is that it's less about you than you think. Like what God's calling you to do, the, his potential, his purpose in your life, is, it's less about you than you think. Listen, sometimes we kind of we live our life and we want to we be comfortable and we got this, this kind of comfort zone that we tend to stay in in our lives. And here's what I know to be true in my life and I know it to be true as part of the gospel is that God calls us in our life, the calling that he has will always push us outside of our comfort zone. That right now, today, that if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable in everything that you're doing, there's a good chance that you're out of step with God's call on your life because if we're comfortable, we don't need God. It's in that stepping out like it's the faith, like the Bible says it's impossible to please God without what? Without faith. Well, what kind of faith do you need in your comfort zone, right? The Lord is saying to Gideon, he's saying you gotta go in your own strength, but then as you go, know this, that I will be with you. For any need to know this, that our inability to understand, our inability to understand what God is doing and how he's going to do it, it doesn't limit God's ability to perform in our lives. Like our job, our responsibility is not to wrestle with the how, our job, our responsibility is to trust in the who, who it is that's calling us to do what he's calling us to do. Our responsibility is to trust in that and let God figure out the how in our life. I've experienced a lot of up and downs in my journey. I've experienced some good seasons and some bad seasons, but I've come away knowing this, that God places the greatest blessings in life on the other side of our greatest fears. That if we always stay in our comfort zone, if we always play it safe, then we will miss out on this amazing life that God has called all of us to. And that's why, that's why our greatest enemy is oftentimes our enemy because if Satan can get us talking and, and disqualifying ourselves from, from seeing within ourselves what God sees in us, then he's won the victory. He's won the battle. And friend, that's my testimony. I don't know what yours is, but that's my testimony. 
I stand up here on Sundays and every day, every Sunday, I have to silence the inner me voices that say you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, that you don't have the right personality. The list is long, friend. That even your pastor struggles with those whispers of inadequacy in his life. And every Sunday you'll see me as I begin to, my first words, you'll see me step around the table and take a step forward. And what you don't know is that there's a lot of significance in that one step. That step is intentional because in that step, I am making the determination that it's not in my power or my ability, but it's in God's. That in that one little step that you probably don't ever notice or see, it's me making a decision as I step before you as somebody with a long bullet point list of disqualifications and I stand before you and I say, it's not about me, God. It's about you. I step outside of my inabilities and I step into the grace of God and his power and his anointing and his favor. And friend, I don't know about you. Maybe today you feel and you sense these voices that are saying to you that you're not good enough. Well, my challenge to you is to step into God's grace. Like maybe to you, the question that the doubts is, is that, that you're, not, you're not good enough. Step into the grace, that you're not smart enough Step into his grace. Like maybe the whisper to you is that you're not worthy enough. Well, step into his grace. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not a good enough parent. I'm not a good enough spouse. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not a good enough athlete. I'm not a good enough student. Step into his grace. That is sufficient in our greatest times of need. That the inadequacy is always, it's never gonna change. It's always gonna tell you that your life will never change and that your past disqualifies you. Your greatest enemy will always be your enemy. But the question is, is will you have the faith and the courage to step out of your comfort zone and away from the voice and into the grace that he has waiting for you for the moment. Friend, that's what Gideon did. And it changed his life. That's what Tony and Anna did. And they were youth pastors. And at some point along their journey, they sensed the Lord calling them to take a step of faith and they could have played it safe. And I'm sure they had, they had bullet points of reasons why they would be disqualified for what they do, but they stepped into his grace. I stand before you today. And I know you don't know my history. I know you, you don't know me that well. But I stand before you today as a testimony of what can happen 
and a life that chooses to overcome the feelings and the voices of inadequacy and to step into his grace. Friend, you could have that story too. With every head bowed and eye closed, Friend, maybe today, maybe today you feel inadequate as it comes to your relationship with God. There's probably, maybe there's a part of you that recognizes that there's more, but, but you feel like you can't measure up. You feel like there's plenty of reasons and excuses of, that would disqualify you from God's love and forgiveness friend don't let that inner me convince you of anything other than the truth and that is that that God so loved you (laughs) he so loved you that he gave his one and only son to die on a cross so that you might have life John 10, 10 says, life more abundantly. Friend, if that's you, I want to pray for you today. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here right there where you're seated. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I do want to pray for you. If that's you right now, just lift up your hand, put it up for a second, and then you can put it back down. Right, I want to give my heart to the Lord. I want to rededicate my life. I've drifted away. I want to come back to Lord, I want to walk in his purposes and his plans for my life. Yeah. Those of you that raised your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And church family, say it with us. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Forgiving. For, forgive me for living life my way. Today, I choose to surrender to you. Come live inside of me. Change me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee, We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.